Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I love food. I mean, I've spoken with Phil Rosenthal about his show, Somebody Feed Phil. My good friend and amazing cook, Jay Cohen, has been on this show multiple times. And I chatted with my buddies, John Kung and Kim Chi, over our shared love of Asian cuisine. So yeah, I'm a foodie. And guess what? Today's episode is another delicious one in the long line of yummy food-centered episodes. My guest today is YouTube's favorite baker, Claire Saffitz. In many ways, I feel like I should be paying Claire for therapy because I watch her videos for food inspiration, of course, but also just to relax. And it started during the pandemic when she was with Bon Appetit and would do those gourmet makes videos where she would make things like Pop-Tarts into gourmet treats. It was kind of incredible. She's now ventured out on her own, and she's killing it, not only with her YouTube channel, Dessert Person, but also with her two New York Times bestselling cookbooks, Dessert Person and What's for Dessert. That's her latest one. What makes her work so great is that she really holds your hand through the process of baking, but also challenges you to try new things. If this is your first introduction to Claire Saffitz, you're welcome, because you're about to be obsessed with her. If it's not, well... You're my favorite people, clearly, and we're in it for the long haul. (laughs) So, go on and grab a snack, especially for this episode, because I will be right back with Claire Saffitz. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank you for agreeing to do this. I'm a huge fan of yours. Huge. I just recently made your key lime pie. Um, a oh couple my weeks ago. How'd it turn out? It turned out <laughs> wonderful. My boyfriend is obsessed with key lime pie. I was never really a huge, huge fan of key lime pie, but I was like, I'll give it a shot. Delicious. Good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've been following. I mean, my boyfriend was originally the one who turned me on to you because he's obsessed with YouTube and I am not as obsessed with YouTube. And then and this was, you know, back in the day, like this was a couple years ago. And then now that you're doing your own channel and everything. I mean, when you were a kid, did you foresee yourself as like the internet's baker? Cause you kind of have become that. <laughs> not at all. Not even remotely. I mean, I'm not in any way a natural performer. I don't really like that feeling of being looked at or seen or watched or anything like that. So it's, it feels very unlikely that this is now what I find myself doing, (laughs) but I really approach it from a teaching angle. And that is the part that I really, really love is video is by far the best format for teaching people about baking. Mm -hmm. You can write the most precise recipe ever created, and it's still not going to be as descriptive as just showing someone how to do it. 
So that's how I approach it. And it is a little bit of, of a funny, strange thing to me that now I am on YouTube and that's kind of a primary part of what I do. So when people ask me, what do you do? I, I say, I say it jokingly, but it's still true. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber, I guess. Um, so it's funny to me, but I really found this place, I think, and the community around it is so positive and yeah. people just love the kind of, um, I think the kind of handholding a little bit that yeah. goes along with it. I try to really demystify the process and make it less scary for people. So I love that I get to do that. It's just, it is a little bit funny to me that I'm on the internet a lot. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're so much more than just a YouTuber because in a, in a, you're right. There is a teaching element. Like when I was doing the key lime pie recipe, for example, I remember I had your, your video on my television, but then I also had it on my phone because I was in the kitchen coming back and forth, like doing and like pressing pause and then rewinding back to. So I had the recipe on my phone, a screenshot of the recipe on my phone, watching you on my television doing it. So, I, I mean, it was like a multi platform thing. And I mean, yes, I'm giving you like all these views because I need it during while I'm cooking, while I'm doing it, you know. I have heard from people that they watch, that they bake with the videos. And there's one in particular that I hear about a lot is I did this video with New York Times. I have a series that I do with them on their YouTube channel. And I always to accompany the recipes. I did, uh, there's a croissant recipe. And I've heard from so many people that they started and stopped that mm -hmm. video about 150 times during the making of it because they're trying to do it along with. And that's the whole point is it's like it is a it is such a visual um, medium and baking and cooking in general it's multi-sensory it uses all of your senses obviously taste but smell and sight and touch but v visual is huge so i love that people use the video and bake along with them and then some people just watch them because there's a sense of kind of stress relief or something soothing about them which i also love mm -hmm. but the point is that it's entertainment but it's also very practical information. Yeah. I mean, I had that with, you had a recent video for the New York times thing that you do about macaroons. And literally as I was watching it, I was like, I'm never doing this. I can't do this. I'm never doing this. My, I, I'm not even like equipped to have a kitchen to do this, but it's so soothing to watch. <laughs> you know, that, that particular series is called try this at home and it is geared toward more project type baking. Mm -hmm. So there is, I fully expect that nine above over 90% of people who are watching this are like, I'm never going to do that. And that's fine. Yeah. I still think it's interesting to see what the process looks like. Um, but there are that sort of passionate group of people who love, love a project, love to spend, yeah. you know, a Sunday in the kitchen or something. So it's really for them. And I, I get that all the time. Like, why would I make this? I'm like, you should, you don't have to make this like go, you know, I did a baguette recipe and it's the same thing. It's like, go buy a baguette for a couple of bucks and, and yeah. don't try this. But if you love that exploration and that being in the kitchen and that kind of thing, then, then it's for you. But yes, it's, it's certainly not um, that particular series is not, for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was intimidating. There was a moment where I was like, well, this is just fun to watch, but I'm, I'm intimidated right. by this. Well, I love, I have both of your cookbooks, obviously. And day one publication, always get them. <laughs> um, and I wonder, like, I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with Jake Cohen, who also is an internet cook in a way. And I am obsessed with the development of recipes and how you choose the recipes to include, like, how do you approach, it just seems so overwhelming and such a long process to do a to do a cookbook i mean in any capacity like how how do you choose what to do and how long does it take you to develop a recipe 
Definitely. First of all, thank you. I'm so glad you have the books. Um, I love hearing that. Um, a cookbook is like an ultra marathon. It is such a long process and it requires quite a bit of, of stamina. I think because you are just day in and day out testing recipes and developing. And I think a baking book in particular is even, even goes a layer deeper and is a little, and is more intensive because it's not just, and I don't mean to be dismissive of like salads, like salads are still recipes that need developing, but it's not like a salad recipe where there's like no cooking involved and you're, you know, you're just kind of assembling and you can test it quickly and you can test multiple versions Mm -hmm. or tweaks in rapid succession with baking. You have to wait for it to bake and then wait for it to cool and then kind of troubleshoot and and then try again. So that it just takes longer, I think, to develop a lot of those types of recipes. So it is, it is difficult. I'm, grateful that I had a background already in food media. So I I had a really clear sense of the development process. I had a lot of experience with that. But putting together a book is really different than working on recipes for a monthly food magazine. Because you're looking at the whole thing in its entirety. You're looking at the balance of recipes. You're looking at seasonality. You're looking at difficulty level. And you're trying to make sure that that book has something for everyone in a sense. So you know, I wanted especially dessert person to be a kind of general baking book with a lot of different degrees of difficulty. What's for dessert? The second book is definitely focused a lot more around simplicity. Um, so you're, it is sort of a big jigsaw puzzle and each recipe is a piece and you're trying to fit them together to make something that looks cohesive mm-hmm. and, you know, everything kind of relates to each other. And there's a conversation happening between the recipes and the chapters. So I had to do a lot of editing and that's really where an editor comes in. And I had my editor suggest like this, you know, this recipe doesn't feel like it belongs in this book or, you know, it could, it could be a great recipe on its own, Mm -hmm. but it just, it might not have a place in the book. So we did a lot of cutting and um, so you you develop kind of more than you actually intend to land in the, in the final book. And it just sort of, I don't know. It's just sort of something that you shape as you go along and you definitely it's a collaborative process where your editor is helping give you feedback, but it really is this kind of jigsaw puzzle that you're creating. So it's not just a collection of a hundred recipes that you just put together. You know, it has, there has to really be something cohesive about it. Well, and the practicality part, I mean, that's what I love about the second book so much is that, I mean, I'm the child of a baker. My mom was a baker. Like I understand baking in a way that like, I don't, I'm not intimidated necessarily. I'm intimidated by macaroons, but I'm not intimidated by like general baking. And, but what I love about the second book is that there is this sort of practical approach to, to sort of de-intimidate, if you will, like for a recipe for someone who is, is intimidated by baking. And even your YouTube videos, like the recipes you choose from the book for your YouTube channel there is this process of like, don't be threatened by this. You can do this. And I love that. I absolutely still relate to the idea of being anxious in the kitchen. I remember those feelings for many, many, many years as I was beginning my career and just even beginning as kind of a hobbyist baker, that there is an anxiety. There's an anxiety that you're going to waste ingredients or something won't turn out, or you you promised someone that you bring something for some kind of event and now it's ruined or that kind of thing. So I still very much feel in touch with that feeling, even though I don't particularly have that just from years and years and years of experience, I don't really get anxious, but sometimes with the recipe test, I sort of, you know, there, there is that that sort of tinge of, well, I hope this turns out. So I understand all those feelings and I try to connect to that 
and then assuage them and and try to reassure people that like even if this bad thing happens it's not that bad yeah or and most people are so happy just to have someone else have made them something that they're not going to notice the technical mistakes or anything like that so i really try to encourage people to take small risks and to do something that makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable because when that thing does turn out, it's like a triumph and it makes you feel so empowered that you can figure something out. So I think baking is actually a great way. It's kind of a metaphor for like trying something out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And when that thing works, you just feel it's really um, a confidence boost. So I try to help people feel more confident in the kitchen by reassuring them and And not just giving a straightforward set of steps for a recipe, but saying like, well, if this happens, then don't worry, but this, you know, you can fix it this way or, um, you know, giving those little road signs along, along the, the route to sort of give, you know, slow down here or, or be careful or that, that kind of thing, because I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge. I've made tons of mistakes. I've had a lot of recipes not turn out and I know I know it's a cliche and I always say this, you learn so much more from the mistakes from mm-hmm. than from the successes. So I'm like, I've made the mistakes, so you don't have to. So that's really how I look at my role is like, uh, I'm, I'm here to kind of be your guide and to hopefully be a, a comfort and uh, a reassuring presence. That's something that's so, I mean, my mom always told me, I remember when I first started sort of, I moved out of the house and I was sort of baking on my own and I would stress because I couldn't like with cooking regular food, like savory food, you can kind of taste test along the way. But with baking, it's difficult to taste test because then when you finish the cake, you don't want to and you have to take it to a party or give it to someone. You don't want to cut it open and taste it. So you're like, <laughs> is it good? And my mom was always like, there's sugar in it. Everyone's going to love it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, don't worry about that. Like, it's going to be if you follow the recipe and there's sugar in it, you're good. <laughs> I 100 percent agree with her. I think that that's right. I and I I know this feeling of like well I hope it's good and I think also that comes from partly a place of exploration because you want to try so many new recipes mm-hmm. um but it's a really good thing I think to kind of build up a library or repertoire of recipes that you can make that are like your go-to I know this mm-hmm. is going I I know this is going to be a win for everyone when I bring it um and so, but you, but you build that by testing new recipes all the time. One great thing about layer cakes is I always level the layers mm. so I can taste them. That's oh, good so point. I can taste the scraps. Yeah. So it's like a little tip and like, you just take a little bit of the frosting. So you look like you're presenting this whole cake, but it's like, you have basically the equivalent of an entire slice at home because you've leveled the layers, even <laughs> if they're already flat. So, um, good little tip there. I love I'm that. curious, did, was your mom, uh, did she have a bakery or, or bake? She worked in a bakery. A- she worked in a bakery and then at home she would always bake. And I remember when I was a kid, I, my mom loved baking like birthday cakes and everything, but because she always baked, I was like, I want the Costco cake. I don't want, or in our, in our town, Sam's cake, the Sam's club cake. Like I want that. I don't want your cake today. The homemade. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Yes. I, I understand that. Um, but I love that. I love that you have, I do think that there is a kind of innate Mm-hmm. knowledge and comfort that you'll have with baking. Like my mom was not a professional baker, but baked all the time at home. And so I, I do feel like that exposure helped orient me toward it in a way that like, I, I just wasn't that fearful of it. It just yeah. sort of wasn't, wasn't too mysterious when I started. Yeah. There's something great about it. There's an excitement that it, it like if it's instilled in you, you get excited about all the new things you can do. There is one thing though, like for me, the thing that I suck at baking is cookies like I'm just I'm not I don't know why cookies are one of those things that I just screw up all the time cakes pies perfect at 
bread even, great at. I make a great challah, but I can't do cookies. So is there any type of baked good that you just hate, you're just not good at, you don't like doing, and which one is your favorite? Hmm, such a good question. I, you know, I don't do a lot of fine decorating work Mm. um, generally, whether it's like royal icing on a sugar cookie or buttercream flowers on a cake. It's just kind of not my thing because I like to lean, even though I, I will make recipes that have something elaborate or they're very technical or there's a lot of components. When it comes to presentation, I like things to look like it hasn't been touched a million times mm. or that it's not so fussy to me. It's like, even if you're going to put a lot of effort into it, I don't want it to look like I put a lot of effort into it. I want to mm-hmm. present it and sort of have it be like, oh, look at this beautiful cake that I made that has this kind of perfectly imperfect, you know, fr- frosting swirls. Yeah. So it's just not something that I think I would ever really do. And as a result, I'm not very good at it when I do <laughs> attempt anything remotely like that. Um so that's definitely one. I just I'm just not into like de- decor decorating detail at all. Um, I'd rather like put a couple flowers, like f- you know, real flowers on a cake, than yeah. than do some kind of just really you know luster dust and like mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. So that's kind of one. Um, there's definitely other types of pastry where I feel like I could use some more experience. There are certain types of breads that I'd love to really dive into a lot of like enriched yeasted things um the whole sourdough realm i think i really there's just so much to explore and to learn but i do feel like my my real like core skill is is in a lot of other kinds of pastry like pies pie dough anything with like a flaky pastry i love to make um i feel very comfortable with that and it does feel very impressive so i like i like kind of impressing people with like a flaky pie crust or a tart or that kind of thing so yeah that definitely that is really like my my kind of sweet spot there's no pun intended there's nothing yeah <laughs> there's nothing better than a pie honestly i would rather have pie than cake any day i agree i mean to me it kind of depends on the my mood and kind of depends on the pie and there's a lot of not very good pies out there but i was just testing some thanksgiving recipes and made like an apple pie and a pumpkin pie and a pecan pie and i i agree it's just sort of like the most satisfying contrast between the filling and the crust and i also i love fruit dessert so it's like i love that pie is is the perfect way to to use up a lot of fruit i I think fruit desserts are like the best kind of dessert just the best so what i mean i'm i'm fascinated by because i mean you do have you know pretty traditional background in terms of your education and like what and you could be baking in a restaurant or have your own bakery do all the things so how has i mean you have a media background as well so how has YouTube changed sort of what you do and your career path? Like, has it pivoted sort of what you want to be doing? I think YouTube has been really complementary to that more traditional path. I still feel like I have one foot in the more traditional media realm Mm -hmm. of magazines and, and, you know, publications, which is great because I also love to write. I would never want to give up the part of my job that is writing um, because, and I, and of course I have cookbooks too, which is that, you know, on a large scale. And I initially kind of came to what I do now through sort of a more formal education. I went to like, you know, got like a bachelor's degree and then I went to culinary school after that. And then I even did a year of grad school where I was focusing on culinary history. And I thought that maybe I would go a more academic route, but I really missed being in a kitchen and I didn't want to only sort of 
read and write about food for such a narrow audience. I, I was like, I want to do something a little bit more popular. So I chose to kind of veer away from academia. And at the same time, I knew from culinary school and from my brief stint working in a restaurant that that wasn't my career path either, mm. that that was too, it was too focused on output. It was too regimented. It was too um, focused on like your value was like how fast you could work. And I didn't really want to have to go that route. So media became that perfect middle ground of like, I can still write, but I can still be in the kitchen. And, um, and so that's what I chose to pursue. And as I came up through that traditional magazine route, I worked at Bon Appetit, you know, in at Conde Nast, a big kind of legacy media company, video became such an important component of, of what we also did as a print magazine. Um, and this kind of diversifying into other digital spaces. And I didn't think that that was going to be a sphere where I would excel, but it just became, it was sort of accidental. And now I think that it's really complementary to all of these other things that I do in that kind of media space. And there's different audiences, you know, there's the YouTube audience is definitely different than like the New York Times audience or or people who are necessarily buying, you know, dessert person or what's for dessert. So I love that I can reach different communities in those different ways. Um, So I wouldn't want to only focus on one aspect of what I do. So I think like writing a cookbook and, you know, doing some recipe development for some other publications, plus YouTube, all of it kind of adds up to this really great balance of work that I do. And from a practical standpoint, it's fun to make the YouTube videos. I really love spending time with my two YouTube collaborators, Cal and Vinny, who's like been working with for so long. And like, we have a good time. I call it Camp YouTube because we're like all spending all day together in these like very sort of concentrated blocks of time. Yeah. So from my own time management standpoint, I like doing a mix because I love being in the kitchen by myself developing, but then I love to have these more kind of collaborative experiences. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's so, I mean, when you're on YouTube, I have so many friends who are on YouTube and one of the things that like, I'm sure you get a lot then is you get, especially cause you're a service YouTube person. So it's, you're, you're, you're delivering a product in a way and you must get stopped with questions from people about baking. And I, I wanted to know, What's like, maybe not the most annoying question, but the question you're like, do you Google? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's really funny. Some, I, on more than one occasion, on probably a handful of occasions, I have looked at comments or my DMs, like on Instagram, that have said like, Claire, I have a question. I'm in the aisle of the grocery store. Which kind of chocolate should I buy? And I'm just sort of like, I'm not like a hotline of, of for baking. You're the butterball like I, hotline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this question like two weeks after you send it. Cause I just, for my own sanity and mental health, I don't yeah. really do tons of like reading of the comments or, or checking DMS. It's just, I have to protect that kind of yes. mental space and, and my time. But I'm just like, I am not, I, there is no reasonable expectation that I respond to your message in real time, you know? <laughs> so that, that kind of question to me is, is like a little bit nutty, Yeah. but I'm, and so, you know, it's just, I actually love, love, love answering people's baking questions, but it's just, I just sort of don't have the bandwidth or the yeah. the kind of infrastructure to be able to like field questions like yeah. that for people just from, from, you know, from all, from all areas. Um, 
a lot of times I just get questions from friends and family where I am kind of like, well, you could have just Googled that, but I'm happy to answer it too. Yeah. Like, I understand wanting to go to a sort of trusted source. Yeah. I mean, there are times I, I've, de- I've definitely texted Jake before and been like, what should I do here? How long do you keep this yeah. in? You know what I mean? Like I definitely, <laughs> I definitely have done that and I feel horrible, but I'm also like, but I know, you know, so much. Oh, don't feel bad. Yeah. I always tell people don't feel bad. Like, you know, my sister's a lawyer. It's like, I'll text her with a legal question. You yeah. know, it's like, just go to the expert. I, I totally understand that. Yeah, if you got one in the family, why not use it? Well, my last question for you is, and I, I mean, I, I hope I'm right in this because I feel like I am, but I, and this is a very important question. Did I see your book on and just like that? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up. You were not mistaken. Yes! It was. Yes. Okay, so I have not been watching and just like that because I had like an issues with downloading Max and where I was, it was just like not I couldn't watch it. But I did get a heads up from the producers of the show. They asked permission to include a shot of the book in one of the episodes. And I had very little information about it, but I was also told, like, please do not talk about this to anyone. Yeah. And I didn't know when it was gonna come out. So but I hadn't been watching. I had a little bit of an inkling or I had some information that it was gonna be it was going to revolve around valentine's day yeah so but i i think that the original plan or at least as it was pitched to the publisher and to me was that the book was going to be a little bit more prominently featured but i think that it just got cut and so i have not yet seen this clip yeah from it just like that where it is sort of like almost slightly visible or yeah. like somewhat visible yeah. um but it's like the chocolate souffle. She's like the character makes a chocolate souffle. And I don't even know any of the characters because I haven't watched the show yet. So I've been meaning to like sit down and figure out a way to watch the series so I can catch a glimpse of the book. Um, <laughs> but you have an eagle eye. You are correct. It did happen. I wish it was like a little bit more prominent. <laughs> it could be like great PR for the book. But it's also just incredibly flattering that they chose it. I, I mean, mean it's, it's almost like I can't believe it. So it, I'm, I don't mean to sound like it wasn't enough but it i mean i noticed it i noticed it and i will say you are the only person who hasn't watched and just like that yet i know (laughs) i know you know what though i feel like i have consumed so much content around it on social media that i feel very well informed about it but i do want to watch it i think from what i hear from people is it's just kind of like you you just kind of can't stop watching it even if you're even if there's parts of it that like don't ring true or you wish were different people just they, they can't help themselves i've always described this season and you'll love this because it's a pastry uh, sort of uh, as, as like a pop tart you know what i mean like to me watching <laughs> it just like that is a pop tart there's no nutritional value to me wanting to eat that pop tart but i'm not like unsatisfied afterwards after eating it but i never needed right. it in the first place either to me that's kind of just like that and i'll never stop eating pop tarts you know what, though? That's what I want my television to be. I want it to be empty calories yes. in, a, in, a, in yes. a metaphorical sense. Yes. You know, like I'm 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 definitely here for that. So <laughs> it is high on my list of next shows to start. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. What a pleasure. Thank you so much oh. for having me. <laughs> Hungry yet? I'm about to make some brownies. That's I've been craving some brownies. Wish me luck. And let me know what you'll be making. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything, and I love food pictures and videos. (laughs) And leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode. It really does help. 
For the latest news and podcasts, go to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And subscribe to my newsletter while you're there. It's called For the Culture. It comes out every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. Actually, eat something fun today.